Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. If you have any kind of film information in your feed or in your news, you know that we have just concluded Barbenheimer Weekend, so there's only two movies that we can do. And the other thing, and Dave Gurney is still not with us, but when it comes to guests, my joke is that the guests at the table are always my favorite, but guys that are other guests, I apologize, you have been eclipsed. These are my two favorites. Welcome to the show for the very first time, Hunter Hilliard. And I guess this is your debut on the main episode. You have been in an After Hours before. It is Savannah Hilliard. Hello. And we all have the same last name, but for the next hour or so, we are not family. We are just three movie critics talking about two movies. Two good movies. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the beer. All right, Hunter, in front of you, you have got a, it's a big movie. I like Belgium. Whenever I see Belgium on a beer, that gets me excited. Oppenheimer's huge. So I got us the XL Pale Ale, 6.5 ABV. This is a product of Belgium. It's from De Dole Brewers. De Dole. It's our first time there. Non-filtered, re-fermented, brewed with original floor, maltered, Simpson, Maris, Otter, Pale Ale malt, dry hopped with Popper Ringe, white bread, golding hops, bitter orange peel, and the old copper brew house that dates back wow. to 1821, the restart after World War One. So get a little bit of that in your glass, Savannah. Sorry. White bread. That's the uh, hops variety. You know what we do. We put our nose in it. Oh, yeah, you can smell. It's very malty. I don't know what I'm what I'm looking for whenever I put my nose in it. Is it very often? Okay, I'm writing down things. I'm writing down things for after hours, and one of them is 22 year old Hunter's beer tastes. Is it the bomb? (laughs) Is this beer the bomb? We will talk about that here in just a second. The reason why I'm glad you're here, Hunter, is because I know of no greater Christopher Nolan devotee, enthusiast, historian. You were super hyped for this one. There's a lot of Christopher Nolan fans out there. I'm probably not the biggest, but I've seen all of his movies, even the first one following. Uh, I was very excited for Oppenheimer because I liked Tenet. Saw it in theaters once, but I didn't go again because I feel like whenever Tenet came out, I really liked it, but there was, a, there was other people who kind of influenced my opinion. They, it seemed like everyone else who I went with, like my friends, they didn't really enjoy it as much as I did. And I was aware that there was some uh, like audio problems in the theaters, and I didn't want to go back and see it again until those were fixed. So I didn't get to see it again, but I rewatched it on TV, on just like at my house, and it was I love that movie. So I mean, and I've seen all of his movies. I saw Interstellar like four times in theaters whenever it came out, like by it by myself. And I think you've called Interstellar before. We've seen this, and we mm-hmm. haven't had this conversation yet. Like your favorite, yeah, of the Nolan films, yeah. It's probably not just my favorite Nolan film. It's probably top two favorite movies. Of all time. Mm-hmm. Have you given thought to like the analysis, the internal analysis of what it is about his filmmaking or filmmaking style or the types of story that he tells that makes him, I know, one of your favorite directors? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think it's just, you can tell just from the very first shot of Oppenheimer, the very first shot of Interstellar, that you are about to see something that is so like cared for by the director. Like he puts everything into it. Like this is his art, this is what he lives for. And you can just tell it shows up on the screen every scene. I mean, the very first sequence of Oppenheimer was 
probably my second or third like sequence in the entire movie where it's just his face like perfectly perfect lit and then it goes into his mind and you just see like things you've never seen on film before like you see atoms breaking apart you see stars you see and it's just it's just beautiful all his movies are beautiful the, the music that he picks in his movies are just beautiful i'm more of like an aesthetic person more than like story i always have been when it comes to movies music tv everything like that if it looks good and it sounds good i'm gonna like it and story lyrics and song story and movie that kind of takes a backseat for me it seems like so that's what that's what i like in films and he, he just does that better than anyone else him and Denis Villeneuve, i think are the two best right now two best directors who are consistently putting out works about that that i like and very visual mm-hmm. very visual very visual and very like audio cues which i love we saw this together the three of us and i think i leaned over to you hunter and said my god the filmmaking you know while we were watching oppenheimer mm-hmm. oppenheimer right to me and I'm trying to think of another 2023 film that I've seen so far that demonstrates, I mean, and Wes Anderson leaps to mind. And, you know, we've had many talks about Wes Anderson, you know, here at our home, but he's got certainly a visual mark, right? We just did Asteroid City a few weeks ago. His visual style is unmistakable. I think that Nolan's varies from film to film in a way that, of course, Anderson doesn't. Yeah, but... You can tell when you're watching Oppenheimer, it's a Nolan film. Like, for me, at least, I could tell within, like, the first two minutes. If, if I didn't know what this movie was beforehand, and I went into it, I would say, oh my gosh, this is either a new Nolan film, or this is someone trying to be Nolan. Yeah. It's it was- just for me, because I've seen Inception 20 times. I've seen Dark Knight 25 times. Mm-hmm. I've seen Interstellar, God knows how many times. Hunter and I started Interstellar the other night. I've only seen Oppenheimer. It's my first Nolan film. But whenever we started Interstellar, I was like, oh, like he has a style because it's very like yeah, very aesthetically, loud, very... aesthetically very like similar to Oppenheimer. Did, have you seen any of the Batman trilogy? That... I have not. Mm. I know it's a sin, but I have not. <laughs> One thing we'll talk about is just being a movie family and after hours, patreon.com slash fear the movie podcast. I'll just throw my cards on the table for here up top. Name the filmmaking technique required to make a movie. Editing, score, acting cinematography script they are all phenomenal here mm-hmm. they are perfect. all phenomenal perfect except i've got a couple yeah, things i've got a couple things we'll get too, to those pretty much perfect let's start with the cast i mean we didn't really even i haven't even synopsized the movie yet i mean i feel like this is one of those movies that everyone went out to go see this and yeah. barbie this weekend the theaters are full all weekend long mm-hmm. during world war ii Lieutenant General Leslie Groves Jr., played by Matt Damon, appoints physicist J. Opera Robbenheimer, Killian Murphy, to work on the top-secret Manhattan Project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16, 1945, as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion, forever changing the course of history. I don't even like this synopsis, although it is accurate, because... The trailers, and there were three, four trailers. I went, we went to go see a movie a week before this one came out and they had a new trailer in one week. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, outside of those visual things we saw in the trailer that you've already mentioned, the splitting of the atoms, stars, the way that his mind is trying to work through this, the scientific problems of the entire process. But this movie's richer than even that synopsis. Yes, there is a climax in the movie kind of two-thirds of the way through where they actually detonate the bomb. And the sound design of it and the visual of it and the idea that he hasn't, according to him, according to Nolan, hasn't used one CG shot in the film. I find that hard to believe. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, I think I understand what he was saying, what he wasn't saying there. 
all of that from there to that explosion going off was excellent. Perfect. So I'll just quickly go through this. Florence Pugh plays his uh, lover. Robert Downey Jr. plays a scientist academic that tries to hire him at the beginning and then tries to demonize him at the end. Emily Blunt plays his alcoholic wife. I'm reducing some of these characters down to just a couple of words. Rami Malek, Josh Peck, Josh Hartnett, who I loved to see in the movie. Gary Oldman makes a cameo that kind of blows your mind. We're a spoiler podcast. It's all good. Casey Affleck, Benny Safdie, Kenneth Branagh. One of my favorite actors. Jason Clark. I mean, the list here goes on and on. It's a very dense movie with a very large cast. Devin Bostick v. Roderick Heffley. Yeah, Roderick is in it. Nolan said something like, someone interviewed him, like asking him why uh, he was in it. Because it's just kind of like surprising. It's and you kind of have to like know if you see him. Like you'd be in a theater like, whoa, it's Roderick from Roderick Rules. As a young, like Gen Z kid, like... Yeah. That actor, Devin Bostick, like, I know, like, he's done interviews, he has said he can't, like, book roles because he's just known as Roderick Heffley. Like, their iconic, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, like, trilogy is an iconic, like, trilogy. Yeah. Oh, he's the kid from that? Yes, mm-hmm. no, he's not the kid, he's, he's the, he's the emo brother. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Roderick. We watched like, those. Uh, growing up in, like, a 2000s kid, this was kind of a weird movie. You had Drake, I mean, you yeah, had Josh, Josh, and Josh, and Josh. And Josh, Roderick, and Roderick Rules. It's just kind of it's just kind of wild. I mean, I, that's another reason why I love Nolan movies is because like he just gets the best actors. He just gets he gets everything. Like uh, last movie, Tenet, John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, two two, two of the biggest guys. This I, movie, Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., who probably has his best performance I've ever seen. Oh, it's Robert, amazing, Robert Downey Jr. It's incredible. I see Academy Award nominations going to him, Killian Murphy. I mean, Florence Pugh, who I didn't even recognize. I didn't know that was her until after the fact. What? Okay. I know, I know. That's weird. Emily Blunt, I thought was incredible. I mean, all of them were. So, I mean, you've got, and then the story, the script, is so much more than just what I'm assuming we're about to see based on the trailers. The building of a bomb, the detonation of a bomb. Then, okay, but but my, I guess you said you had a problem or two with it, maybe. But one of them for me was the third act. This notion that on a dime, Robert Downey Jr. becomes the villain of the piece. Wasn't on a dime. It was. It was like there was three different timelines happening at once. It's just like it's just it's it's how Nolan wants you to see the story unfold. Like I thought, the third act was probably the strongest act. Of the oh, whole did movie. you? The last fifty minutes. Yeah, that was the best part of the whole movie. For oh, me. okay. Highly disagree. Yeah, I just I, I disagree too. I enjoyed it. You know, he switches to that black and white a lot of times. I read an article saying that black and white was objective storytelling, mm-hmm. and color was subjective storytelling. A bit of a gimmick, but okay, I'll go with it. The last 50 minutes, I feel, for, like, a film lover, as I would consider myself, is just perfect filmmaking in, like, in like every sense. I mean, you have all these things going on. You have aspect ratios changing every single scene. You have actors giving the best performance of their entire career every single scene with Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy going back and forth. Matt Damon's there. You have that... You have, like, two different trials going on, both that are super tense. Rami Malek shows up for maybe a minute and a half and is, like, one of the best people in the entire movie. He just, like, I don't know. I felt it was just fantastic. It was, there was, like, two, two, three climaxes of the movie where yeah. it was, like, this could have been an ending, but no, here we go into another section. This could have been the ending. And I don't know. I just thought the last 50 minutes was it personified in the last scene of the movie. I mean, that's one of Nolan's best scenes he's ever put on film. Talk about the Einstein stuff? Einstein, whenever him and Oppenheimer, Einstein have their meeting near the lake. 
And then, then you see Robert Downey Jr. And that scene's called back on two or three times in the movie. Right. Oh, yeah, that's... Where, where Robert Downey Jr. is like, I just wish I could have known what Einstein said to Oppenheimer and things like that. And it just turned out. And how the grudge that he had held against Oppenheimer all those years was a, basically a misunderstanding. Well, it wasn't a misunderstanding. It was just like what Oppenheimer gave to Robert Downey Jr. and gave to the gave to the U.S. was the keys to in the world as like Robert Downey, as Oppenheimer told Einstein he was worried about this. And it just, it perfectly closed out the movie in like a very somber and like harrowing part, just seeing the world like that. And I don't know, I just felt, I'm going to see it again because with all, oh, yeah. with all Nolan movies, you can't, like, there's no way I should be talking about this after seeing it once. Mm-hmm. I should have seen it at least a, two times before I seen it. That's what I'd like to do. Before I came up with my solid opinion on Tenet, I didn't even have an opinion whenever I came out the first time of Tenet. I was just like, I didn't, I didn't fully understand what I saw at all until I saw it like a second time. So, yeah. I definitely want to see it a second time. Yeah, um, I did too. I saw an article while we were getting ready to record saying, want to see Oppenheimer in true IMAX in Texas? Good luck getting a ticket. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's only two or three IMAX screens in Texas. As, as no, that's the 70 an, millimeter. The 70 millimeter true IMAX. We have that. We talk about it on the yeah. show a lot. We have something called IMAX and they're, I think, running print. Mm-hmm. IMAX print, but it's on a much smaller screen than the huge IMAX screens that you can find in San Antonio and Dallas. I, I think it speaks to the script as well. The idea that we're revisiting scenes from different points of view. Yeah, that's, and that's every Nolan movie, and that's another reason why that's part of his narrative style. It's just so distinctive. Different timelines going at once. Mm-hmm. What you're seeing from the very first scene of the movie is going to call back in a second. But that one in particular is this idea of there is a part in the movie when they're theorizing that once we start this nuclear reaction, we don't know if it will ever end and we might end the world. That's what he and Einstein talk about, more or less. And then when they revisit one another, it's we didn't end the world, but maybe we did because the film begins to dabble into Oppenheimer's opinions about the arms race that now has to occur and the arms race that had occurred you know to get them there it's world war ii the germans are pursuing this the russians might be and if america doesn't have the same toys in their toy chest that the yeah. other ones do they're at a disadvantage yeah they were they were the whole thing started on the arms race they're like we we could have they could have already been doing this years ahead and we can end the war yeah if we have it we could end the war but Oppenheimer's position, you can see it notably change after the bomb test. And the military swarms in, takes the bombs and leaves, and his control over anything is now gone. And him trying to regain control by being a public figure, a notable public figure, the most famous man in the world at the time, in trying to mold the legislation that might be created about the arms race that we need to slow down. That last scene I think you're talking about is an imagination of all the world's nukes going up Mm -hmm. at one time. And then that, you're right, very somber image of the world kind of slowly burning as they all make impact. Mm -hmm. It's very well done. Yeah, and it doesn't, right. and it also doesn't like tell you what to think about any of it. It's very open ended. It's a, you can make your own conclusions, and I always love that when the filmmaker's not beating you over the head with the message. Well, I mean, you see Oppenheimer like descended into his own like depression. I guess you could call it like with the reaction of the first one. I guess going off. Like, I mean, he's surrounded by he's having these like delusions of oh right, burning yeah. corpses yeah. and yeah. while people applaud him. Yeah. So I mean, there is a, an opinion. But, I mean, you can form your own. It's his opinion. It's his opinion, yeah, through Mm -hmm. his eyes. What have I done? Yeah. But I had to do it. I had to do it, you know, because there's so much ego. 
in, in those rooms of who's the smartest, who's the brightest, who can come up with a theory that actually matches what reality will be. I kind of saw it as his own like pass- passion project, and it's him realizing like what he has done. He was doing something like with his own, like with his knowledge, he was putting his own brain power to the test and once he actually did it he kind of like almost couldn't believe himself in a way yeah yeah i i I loved it i loved it and i I can't stop thinking about it yeah from a technical standpoint from like a visual standpoint maybe interstellar but other than that i think this is his most cohesive and his most technically brilliant film i've seen from him so I would probably put it top three Nolan movies, top two. All right, I'm going to ask you what the top three are in order in After Hours. Oppenheimer sits third on my list of all the movies I've seen this year behind Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse, and Bo is Afraid. I didn't realize Bo was Afraid was that high for you. Yeah, I liked Bo was Afraid a lot. That surprises me for some reason. I'm a horror girl. There's too much to talk about in Oppenheimer. It's just like, I mean, there's just, just like, you have to just go see yeah, it. And you have to go get see into his love interest. Yeah, there's just we didn't... Much. It's three hours. It's like... It's almost like if Aaron Sorkin and Christopher Nolan teamed up to write the script, but then Christopher Nolan, Roger Deakins all teamed up. Well, and Van Hoyt is his new DP, but that used to be his old one. Who was his old DP? It's just Nolan. It's just Nolan in his prime. That's it. I mean, it's just he said that he's not going to stop filmmaking for the next decade. So I mean, and there was hints. A really cool part of the movie, which I liked, is how he included one of the senators that contributed to uh, Strauss not being confirmed was John F. Kennedy. And now I'm right. seeing a lot of people online think that uh, Nolan's next movie should be like a, Ken- a Kennedy biopic, which would be kind of cool. I would be there for that. <laughs> uh, if Nolan strays away from like science fiction and he goes into historical movies, Oppenheimer, Kennedy, then he could do... Wally Feister, was that the name you were trying to come up with as a collaborator with the DP? For oh, him? no. I don't, no, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I know that uh, his last two or three movies have been with Van Hoyt Mm -hmm. something. I don't know his last name, but it's Van Hoytema or something. I also just want to say the name out loud, Ludwig Göransson, who did the score. Mm -hmm. He did Tenet. Swedish composer, he did Black Panther, the Creed films. uh, He started by working with Childish Gambino on his albums. Uh, Oh. Yeah. uh, He did one of my, my favorite Childish Gambino is Ludwig. He produced like the whole thing, Uh, Awaken My Love. The score is incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, every aspect of filmmaking in this film is on mm-hmm. display as exceptional. What else do you say? All right. Hunter and I have been sipping on this XL Pale, pale Ale for an XL-sized filmmaking extravaganza by DeDuel Brewers out of Belgium. It is a Pale Ale, you know, Sierra Nevada. It tends to be the Pale Ale that people think of when you try to synonymize Pale Ale with a very popular beer. This one certainly has Belgium all in it, Hunter, doesn't it? It's got a very, yeah, it's really gonna like it. very, I want to say multi, but but really, I mean, although they listed the hops that they used, it is not a hoppy experience. It's a very multi experience. I just picked it up because I saw a Belgium 6.5 pale ale in Houston. I picked this up in Houston. Uh, De Dole Brewers, I don't know as much about them as I should, but dang, they're good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm only... 22, so I don't have a lot of experience in uh, craft beers or imported beers, but this has been very tasty. Tasting any orange peel? Orange peel, yeah. Honestly, yeah. More nose, more smell than taste, mm-hmm. but uh, it is citrusy, which yeah. I like because uh, I like putting oranges in my beer. A lot of the pale ales, even that Sierra Nevada, can tend to be flat when it comes to robust flavor. If you're a Sierra Nevada pale ale person, please send us your, your, your letters and complaints for that to take, but... This one, because of these 
Belgian malts and the, that Popperinge white bread golding hops. I mean, it, this, this is special. This is good. I wish I had more than just the two that I bought for the podcast. Uh, after when I get back to Houston, I'll have to check it out again. Yeah, really good. And the can's cool too. All right, that's only half of the biggest weekend at the box office in 2023. What film has made the most money on an opening weekend and catapulted its director to have the the highest grossing female direct take on the first weekend? You will learn that in case you don't know what we're talking about. I'm super excited about this beer, only to see my son's face when he tastes it. This is another new brewery. We've never had them. Fullbrook Ale Works Brewery out of Richmond, Texas. And for Barbie, we're having the Pickle Princess. It is a pickle with a pink dress on. It's Pickle Rick, to be exact. It's not just a pickle. It's pickle. It's pickle ale. This pairing is for serious pickle lovers. The light, crisp flavors of both the beer and pickle make for another refreshing combination. I'm sure they had a Barbie beer somewhere. Not that I could find. Hmm. They had a Barbie beer at one of our local breweries. It was a thick yeah. pink and it had glitter in it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, good God. I don't think I want that. I'm only going to open one of these, Hunter, in case it's not, you know, mm -hmm. it's not our favorite kind of thing. But if you do love this, I can have a second, we have a second one just for us to enjoy. Yeah. We famously on Beer in a Movie had the great pickle, Texas Pickle Off, between best made pickle beer. I've had one of those pickle beers before. It was like the big one from like, what, what is that brand? Dale... What is the big pickle beer that like is popular? Oh, yeah. uh, well, in Texas, it was that best made pickle beer. Best yeah, made, that's yeah, that's the one. I couldn't drink that. That one was too much for me. But this one already smells better. This one smells like actual, like real, like the best made one just made me like automatically like convulse. PSA: Pickle juice contains sodium and potassium, oh, both of which are important electrolytes that may be lost due to excessive alcohol intake. It's good. It's subtle. It's really good. Four point six ABV, but the pickle all sense. pickle all over the nose. Yeah, this is good. I like this. I may like this better than the other one. <clears throat> all right, Savannah, how much Barbie did you do when you were a youngin? I did quite a bit of Barbie. Like I remember having Barbie. Like I had Barbie dolls. I remember a specific Barbie doll I had. My favorite movie as a kid was um, Barbie and like Barbie and a Mermaid Tale one and two, specifically Barbie and a Mermaid Tale two. Yeah, was my favorite. It's about a girl. I even remember. I, I was actually before I saw Barbie, I watched a few clips of it again. Brought back all the memories. Yeah, and she's a surfer girl. She just turns into a mermaid. She has like pink that comes in her hair, and I actually had the doll from the movie. It was like this the girl, and she had like a. Like a surfboard that, like, whenever you, like, pull the string or something, it turned into a mermaid tail and, like, came out the bottom. I kind of remember that. Yeah, and she had, like, whenever you put her in water, her hair turned pink. Mm. It was, like, it was iconic. It was and good. It was good. And I remember, like, the Barbie from the um, the movie. There's one in the movie called The Video Girl Barbie, like, with the camera right here. Right, a camera on her chest yeah, and I, a video screen that. on the back. I had that. Oh, you had that yeah, one? Had that, that was a couple of jokes in the film. Yeah. And I know you were super excited to see it. I mean, I, I was, was excited to see it just because it's like so camp. It's so like I also love Margot Robbie. And you talk about the trailers and all. Yeah, looked like yeah. we didn't. I didn't know what to expect. But uh, let me quickly read this. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie Land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Again. A Google plot synopsis that I don't think does any service to the film. Barbie, of course, played by Margot Robbie. 
Ken played by Ryan Gosling. And a huge supporting cast. The um, main Ken. There's yeah. a few Barbies. Multiple Barbies, multiple Kens. Yeah. Will like the multiverse. Right. Will, Fer- right. Will Ferrell plays the uh, real-life CEO, CEO of Mattel. Michael Sarah plays... I mean, I don't... I, I didn't know Barbie well no, enough I don't to know. know. I don't know all of these characters either. But I imagine across, at some point in time, there was a Ken got a buddy doll named Alan. Well, I know the lore. I can tell oh, it. Please. So Alan, I guess in like the 60s is when like Barbie actually took off. But um, at some point, Ken's best friend, they made a Ken's best friend okay. doll. And his name was Alan. But then eventually one of the like something, like I don't know, I don't know if it was in a movie or something, but I know that... Um, one of the things that Alan did was that he shared clothes with Ken. Mm. And he was just like, and a lot of people were like, oh, like, Alan's gay. Like, okay. that was like the joke around Alan. Alan is like gay for Ken. Well, Michael Sarah plays only one Alan in the film. There's only one yeah. Alan. Kate McKinnon plays, uh, from SNL, plays mm-hmm. Weird Barbie, mm-hmm. who's owner in the real world. I had a weird Barbie. Burnt her hair and yeah. cut her hair and drew on her face, and that's how she appears in Barbie Land. Yeah. I had a weird Barbie. Uh, I mean, just the typical cutting the hair and doing the makeup. America Ferreira plays the real-life owner of Barbie, or the mother of the owner of Barbie, who keeps the Barbies when the the daughter wants to take them to Goodwill. Dua Lipa plays the mermaid Barbie. Yeah. John Cena. John Cena comes up out of nowhere. That was funny. That was very funny. Uh, This film's brilliant. It's really good. This film is, is brilliant. And the thing that was getting me to Barbie, because... When you saw the trailer before you knew that Greta Gerwig was involved, it looked like a run-of-the-mill, like it could have been, a run-of-the-mill, let's take a big toy that all the girls and the mothers are going to take their daughters to and make a fluffy script. But when Greta Gerwig was attached, mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be something better than, greater than the thing that I just described. And she and her real-life partner, Noah Baumbach, who, of course, has made some of my favorite movies, including Sideways, wrote the script together. And we listened to an interview with her where she talked about how she was originally brought on by Margot Robbie, who's a producing partner, to just write the script. But once they wrote the script, she's like, no, I want to make this. And when they began saying, well, why don't we do Listen, this is the movie I want to make. If we don't make this one, I don't have to be involved. I've already got my paycheck for the writing gig. This movie's brilliant. Savannah, did it live up to your expectations? Uh, yes, it did. It definitely did. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it took the... This is something we can get into. I have some discrepancies with it. Okay. I feel like it took the typical turn that a lot of the movies are doing these days when it comes to, like, video game characters and old, you know, old... Old properties old that we're properties, looking back characters, now. There's symbols. only, only going to become more of these, by the way, too. Like, yeah. Mattel has, like... I think I was told on Twitter... Mattel has like 30 or 40 movies that are about to enter. Based on their classic toy lines? Wow. It's crazy. Okay. And they're all going to be this, when what you're about to say. They take the typical character that has been, you know, womanized and has been, you know, usually the damsel in distress Mm -hmm. that is usually with Barbie, but Barbie not so much. But I'm talking about Princess Peach in the Mario movie. (laughs) Okay. Where they take her and they make her into quite, literally like a girl boss. Like they turn her into like the, you know, like... I don't even know how to explain it. Well, they 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 make her like woke. They make it woke. I don't know if Barbie was girl boss. I just thought it was. Just I thought Barbie, Barbie was, was living the life that you would live if you were Barbie. Every time I would go over to a little girl friend's house that had the Barbie big mansion, yeah, one of which I completely recognized. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, okay, is anyone looking here? Any of my guy friends here? No, I'll play with these Barbies. I'm talking 79, 1980, back before I was woke in myself. Barbie is the boss of that world. And no, so no, she yeah. should be in Barbie land. I agree. I agree with that. But I feel like it did take, like, the turn where, like, she... They proved to all the guys that they're all, you know, that they need... I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's true. But it's like, I don't know why we need to put it in every single movie. Well, I don't know why we put it in the Barbie movie. Because Barbie has a history of being problematic, mm-hmm. exactly as it's represented in the film. The When Barbie comes back to the real world and finds the little girl owner, who's now a, your age, probably, yeah. or a little younger, maybe, and you, know, you have Barbie, you have created an image that cannot be fulfilled by many people. Mm-hmm. You have given us this level of, of what we're striving for, for your physical frame and the blonde hair mm-hmm. and, and of course Barbie and Mattel over the years have had you know as yeah. depicted in the film diversified a little mm-hmm. bit but a lot of it yeah uh, yeah you're right a lot of it and it's you know the the careers that Barbie is is representing mm-hmm. she's Dr. Barbie and she's, she you know it's it is that a can I just be me and can I just like me for me or yeah. why do I why is the most popular doll in the world for decades have to be this thing Mm-hmm. And that's not what Barbie or women feel like is what the real world is about. So when Barbie enters the real world with all of the confidence of being the queen of the world yeah. and learns that, well, what Kim learns more yeah. than anybody else, <laughs> and that is patriarchy. He learns the word patriarchy. Like he learns the word patriarchy. He learns about... Which is, you know, you know that we have horses and, you know... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it is. It was brilliant. And it was so subversive. Purposefully so, and I don't think negatively so, to be able to demonstrate a message that is timely, A, timely, and B, important. I mean, yeah, uh, Barbie was built on the whole idea of women can do things like that men can do. There's a president Barbie. There's a, name it, like, there's a Barbie for every occupation. I walked into the Target uh, toy aisle the other day just to, like, see, before the Barbie movie, just to see, like, what Barbies were looking like, and they still had, like, the chef barbie and Mm -hmm. there's the soccer player barbie and there's the veterinarian barbie and there's the fashion model barbie and it's just like yeah i just remember like from being a kid like all the little things that barbie can do and it was like in in the 60s back whenever this started there all these things still existed like all these tropes of barbie still existed before you know like there's a presidential barbie no woman has ever been president Mm -hmm. that's still not even a thing that women have done not can do, but have done. The acting, just like Oppenheimer, I mean, it's all tour de force. I mean, it's a completely different type of role. And it's, yeah. you know, it's all comedic for the most part. But I, I mean, thought, are we, I mean, look at the cast, though. Are we surprised? Margot Robbie. I thought Ryan Gosling was perfect. No, I know, yeah. He was definitely uh, uh, Will Ferrell cements this idea that when I see him do anything on the screen, it will make me laugh. When he passed out, you know, uh, yeah. at the board meeting. And, I mean, it was almost transcendent this film by how blown away I was by having relatively low expectations hinging them all on Greta Gerwig's you know yeah. gravitas I wasn't transcended by it I mean, yeah it was, no was, I don't think I was either like, it was it was fine I don't think I like Greta Gerwig a lot I love Lady Bird I, I love, still think I that's her Woman. strongest movie I don't think Barbie is as crazy. good as Lady Bird or Little Women. Have, you know, have either of y'all seen Francis Hawk? I haven't, but that's okay. on the list. Okay. 
It's going to be an Alamo draft house. Maybe. I, I love it Francis Hall. Well, they say it is, and then they don't bring the movies that they say they're bringing. Sure, sure. But it is great to see a new director, Greta Gerwig, getting really big movie that can make a lot of money. It has made and, a lot of money. And for the future, of course. Because yeah. that means Greta Gerwig can now take on bigger... And do whatever she wants to do. Really. For the next project she or two. To do, and she's in a really interesting position because there's not that many women out there that can do it. So I'd be interested... No, take that out. Like, and that have... in that studios have granted that possibility of doing it, I mean. Right. So, like, it's... I'm really interested to see what she does next. A Barbie sequel on its way, oh, I imagine. Well, I like one hundred seven. Made too much money. Coming. There's four... I just looked it up. There's 45... Mattel movies that are about to be and they're in the works. Can you remember some of the titles of them? Hot Wheels. A Hot Wheels movie. Yeah. It's about time. Hot Wheels, Transformers, Polly Pocket, oh, Magic 8 Ball. I'm so excited for that. I Blue. love that movie. I don't I even know who that, that is. Polly Pocket? Yeah, I don't know. What? Sorry. Like toys are just about to be like, because it seems like recently the MCU is kind of like, not fizzling out because of course it's Marvel, but like people are starting to... Waiting just, for the next, big yeah. Thing. Like, what, like it's the MCU's right now is an interesting point. So now there's there's room for people. There's places. a new MCU. There's there's the Mattel. the Mattel. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Barbie link up with Transformers and oh things like God. that. I do not need a and Hot Wheels. I do not need a Mattel. In a Hot Wheels. No, hold on. That might not be bad. Like a, a GI Joe and Barbie. Be- well, no, I guess. So Toy Story. <laughs> Well, Literally, you're, Toy yeah, Story. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. correct. And I guarantee none of them are going to be as good as any other Toy Story movie. So we might as well just ditch it. The to- I, I keep I keep rewatching the Toy Story scene where Barbie and Ken are Ken's trying on the clothes. Right, right, he yeah, comes right. out of the is that Michael Keaton's voice? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Good movie. I'm trying to bite my lip on this Barbie. I'm not trying to get canceled. <laughs> Oh no! I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't. I want neither of those things to happen. I want you to not bite your lip, and let's not get you canceled. But I mean, what are you talking about? Okay, don't put that in either. <laughs> No, don't say that. Either. No, funny, but I just don't want. Nah, it's funny. Okay. I mean, Barbie was all right. I mean, it was good. I mean, I didn't. Maybe it wasn't for me. Like that's what I'm seeing. A lot of people, like on the internet and on things, are saying. Like I can tell Barbie was a good movie. I mean, it looks it looked gorgeous. Like, oh, the, all the, the scenes with like the all like the, the special effects oh, yeah, and the way awesome. that they use special yeah. effects in this very specific way are pretty crank. And I feel like if, if if you can just do that in a movie, it's already going to be ten times better than half of the stuff that's on films. Because like the special effects now, like. With Oppenheimer and Barbie, it's a treat because both of these movies look okay. amazing. I'm curious what you're talking about. Okay, so Ken goes to the real world and learns the same thing Barbie does, that it's not Barbie land, that it's a man's world historically. Ken gets energized by that, comes back to Barbie land to say, I want everything that men traditionally get in a patriarchal society here. And while Barbie's still over on the other side, through the portal, as it's explained... He does exactly that. He kicks all the girls out of the mansions, and then the girls become it's Ken's bimbo-y, <laughs> uh, subservient. Um, they forget their stations that they had achieved, that the president doesn't realize that she's the president anymore. I guess it's like, that's not explained, not exactly how that happens, but... It happens. But it's so satirically executed... By being able to poke fun at it while recognizing that it is indeed kind of a way that it has been for a long time. And I know that there is a factor out there that's calling this portion of it woke, you know, or over-dramatized. And I fell into enjoying all of those pieces of it. You know, I mean, I was laughing along with the satire that was being presented. And that, to me, that is the subversiveness. I enjoyed that a lot. Is that maybe the part you didn't like? 
See, that's the thing. Like, I just thought it, it wasn't. I, there's not one part where I just say I didn't like. It was just. It was just a good movie, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like it was just fine. Like it was good. I'm putting it at transcendence, and, yeah. and it didn't okay. attain that for you. I understand. What you no, mean. it didn't attain that for me either. It, it's a good movie. It was mm-hmm. done really well. I love like the whole soundstage thing. It's very like Wizard of Oz. Didn't even talk about that. A dance sequence. In oh the yeah, no, I, I straight love out that. of the thirties. I honestly 40s. wanted more of that. Like yeah. I, I said earlier, that I wanted more. Like whenever my my friend Priscilla Well came over, <laughs> Priscilla, if you're listening, so. she came over and we were talking about because we had all seen it in the room. And she even said, like, she agreed with me, or she agreed, I guess, with Hunter on the fact that it was, like, it's very, it's, it's woke. It's, like, it's this I didn't thing. say that. He didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Okay. You, you guys are the ones who said that. You are going to get canceled. Me and Priscilla agreed that. It's just, um. What did I say that? No, you didn't. Okay. But you did mention it. You no, mentioned I didn't. That. I didn't mention that at all. Guys, we're not family right now. We're just three film critics in a room. All right. So me and Priscilla talked The word about- woke never came out of my mouth. It came out of Priscilla's first. And then you said, yeah, it was a little woke. It didn't. After that. So Hunter never said woke. <laughs> Continue. Um, me and Priscilla were talking about the fact that it's just, it's taking the typical turn where everything needs to be, everything needs to call out society. Yeah. And everything has to be a societal statement. And it has to be all, why can't it just be Camp Barbie? Like, why can't we just have a, like a 20 minute sequence of her dancing and singing? Like, that's what I kind of, like, wanted. I mean, I, I get why I did, and nothing that she said was incorrect. But, like, I liked the, like, first, like, 20 minutes of the movie whenever they're all in, like, happy land, just, like, dancing and, like, singing. I also, and then they had to come to the real world. And then they had to come to the real world. Like, that's, like, why and we it, wanted to go see the Barbie movie. And all the little gags about that world. When Ken goes out to go surfing, but it's just a hard-formed piece yes, of plastic. Was funny. I was like, it's not water. No. Uh, and then out from behind the water pops John Cena, Merman. I also, it's probably another movie I should see again because I did Barbenheimer in the wrong way. I should have done actually Barbenheimer. I should have seen Barbie first, then Oppenheimer. No, I disagree. I think it's Oppenheimer than Barbie. That's what, like, I'm glad I, I liked my. Because I think, well, just for me, I mean, maybe for other people. Maybe, right. Because yeah, I see your point. Yeah. You saw The Master. Yeah, I saw Oppenheimer. One of his perfect films. Yeah, and then I, afterwards. The I next film you like, see is going to pale. Yeah. I was just sitting in my car for like 10 minutes afterwards, just like thinking about like what I saw, just like all the things. Mm, which was crying. Fun. No, I didn't cry at all in Oppenheimer. I cried. Got a little, got, got a little anxious in a couple spots. The countdown was awesome. Didn't and, like, mention the, the sound design in that IMAX uh, mm-hmm. sound that we were in. Yeah. Like, Cool. Of those bombs go. coming up your back. It was so good. Rhea Perlman plays the creator of Barbie, who lives in the real world. And I thought the scenes between her and Barbie were just exactly what was required for it to be removed from any kind of wokeness, a word I don't really like. <laughs> wokeness by just saying, I did the best I could to create a doll. Oh, oh, the 2001 Space Odyssey opening. It's a perfect, almost like shot for shot of mm-hmm. of two thousand one's uh, the the oh, yeah. dawn of man yeah. ape scene. I think the first thirty minutes of Barbie were really good, and then it, then it just after that it became a little bit less special to me. That's the word I was trying to find. Like yeah. the Barbie movie seemed like it was going to be special, like the first 30, 35 minutes, and then whenever they came into the real world. In the real and like the Barbie colors started to fade a little bit, yeah. even though when with what they were wearing, oh, yeah. yeah, their clothes were always. Yeah. Whenever, pop. whenever the movie was in Barbie Land, I loved it. But whenever it came out to the real world, I just felt like it was just. Not quite as I've seen it before. It's it kind of is yeah. what I was trying to say. But I loved my favorite part of the whole movie is whenever is was like the Mattel building. Everything that happened in the building, yeah. like like the chase scene, Will Ferrell's like the 
his, the boardroom. Yeah, the boardroom with like all the guys, and they were all stupid. Like that was funny. That was that, that was really that Barbie good. walks into a boardroom that yeah, and they try to and they try to get her back in the all box. Yeah. get her getting her back in the box. That was funny with like the big they, the, yeah, the, the big plastic the, yeah, the big ties yeah, that, that was know, really good. make that was it very difficult for mm-hmm. parents on Christmas Day to get the mm-hmm. goddamn toys out of the box. <laughs> so no, I don't have any. Barbie was good. It was yeah. fine. It just wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a transcendent. A huge weekend that I have not seen in a very long time. No, I know. Of, yeah, of, of excitement to go to the theater. Yeah, yeah. love to see it. That was beautiful to, love see. to see. that. One other thing, we saw it in a packed theater. Yeah. At Alamo, literally sold out. And it was mostly moms and little girls. Oh, you're talking about Barbie. Sorry. Yeah, Barbie. <laughs> Mostly moms and little girls. And I get that. I totally understand that. However, there were jokes. I guess I didn't see what you saw. We didn't see it together. But no, I, I didn't see. I mean, I know what you're about to say. Yeah. It's not G-rated. It's not. A, uh, there's one hilarious line where they're in the real world and immediately construction workers are catcalling yeah. Barbie and she walks up to them and she's like, first of all, I don't even have a vagina and he doesn't have a penis. We just have lumps of unformed plastic. Yeah. And Ken, uh, I've got all the genitals. Yeah. Great line. Hilarious. I wonder, though, and then at one point, uh, one of the characters comes down and says, that's right, motherfucker, but the motherfucker is bleeped out with the Mattel logo. <laughs> and then uh, there's one See? other joke that made me think, I wonder what these moms who brought their six, seven, eight, nine year olds. Was it the gynecologist? Yeah, uh, uh, no, that was a fantastic closing. That line. was funny. That was great. When yeah. Barbie comes to the real world to live full time. I didn't like that ending, first of all. Oh, that she came to the real no. world? Well, she'll have to be called back to Barbie Land to save something in the sequel. She's freaking Barbie. Put her in a box, like, take her home, take her to Barbie Land. Like, what is she doing? I don't think Barbie can live in Barbie Land after having tasted the freedoms and the social rights that need to, wrongs that need to be righted. She's a toy. I may have been worn out after seeing Oppenheimer, and it was a long day. Because y'all went on the same night, correct? Y'all did the true double yeah, feature. I think we have yeah, we did Oppenheimer. But, like, the thing was, uh, it just seemed like most of the jokes. A couple of them really landed, but most of them didn't didn't yeah. land. I was like, hmm, fine. Okay. All I know is the, the woman I went with, my friend's mom, she was cackling. Like, yeah. I don't know. She, she loved it. Like, yeah. she ate it up. She was like, wow. Well, my point is that it's a it's like The Simpsons. It, kids can watch it and enjoy it for all the colors. Yeah, exactly. But the parents, the adults, are the ones that are understanding, A, the social commentary, and B, some of the more adult-themed, but not overtly gross or R-rated at all. Anyway, I'm starting to imagine. I wondered, though, you know, how some of the parents were, if they were, you know, upset that it was being so subversive for PG-13, but I Maybe, didn't but also, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even know, like, I don't, I, I'm 17, almost 18, I don't hang out with kids that are under, there's not a kid that goes to my school that's under the age of 14, so right. I wouldn't know, like, kid, how, what kids are reacting to, plus, like, my entire friend group, like, every one of my friends is gonna go see Barbie and is not bringing their parents, so I don't know. I think it's, it, but my point is, it has a huge teenager audience, just, oh. like, for the nostalgia factor. Interestingly, before we recorded, I wanted to see Barbie again more urgently than seeing Oppenheimer again. We didn't get there. Yeah. Well, you know, we did get to was to the uh, pickle princess, pickle ale from Fullbrook Ale Works Brewery. Welcome to the podcast, Fullbrook. I bought this as a gag. It's uh, it's got a pink dressed pickle on the cover, and we haven't had a pickle beer in quite a while. I am pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying this, though. Yeah, it's all right. It's good. 
Uh, and the pickle's not hitting you over the head. No, it's subtle. I like it. It's, it's probably subtle. It's you're filling me with the electrolytes that I need. Does uh, it? I, I I take it. It actually has like real pickle juice in it. Yes, that's good. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I like pickle juice. Yeah, this is a good one, Fulbrook, and I'm looking forward now to trying to get uh, one of their beers that's not so yeah. know, gimmicky, whatever, on the podcast. Uh, good job, Fulbrook. Good job, Hunter. Good job, Savannah. Putting my dad hat back on to tell you how proud I am when you started whipping out uh, Deacon, names like Deacon's Hunter. and uh, I don't even think Christopher Nolan's ever worked with Deacon's. I just I did not know that he's one of the best I'm cinematographers. So, so disappointed. <laughs> so I was just, I was trying to say... What Oppenheimer felt like was a culmination of everything Christopher Nolan's good at and everything that he, in the past, hasn't really uh, shown. So, yeah, I, I thought Oppenheimer was pretty much perfect. I give it like a solid nine and a half. Of- All right, real quick. Uh, we know yours, Hunter. You probably preferred Oppenheimer over Barbie. Even now that you've had a couple days to digest on it, uh, Savannah, which of the two should people go to see first if they have to make such a choice? If you're doing the double feature... I suggest Oppenheimer first, then Barbie, but that's only because Oppenheimer is so heavy and so, like, attentive, like, you have to pay attention and listen that, like, you want a breath of fresh air, like, afterward. But I guess you could say the same thing, vice versa. If you want to have fun first and then you have to focus, you could do that. But if you can only see one, which one? I don't think I can. I would can. hate to live in a world yeah, where I you don't have to. Well, I don't want to have to. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I No answer. If you're voting for best picture and these are the two. Oppenheimer. Yeah, because it's the. I think me too. It's a film. Like I think there's like in my friend group there's like difference between film and movie. Oppenheimer's a film. Barbie is a movie. I don't know if I agree with that. I think Greta Gerwig brings the film film aspects to the movie about something that would. Okay, all right, let's let's wrap it up, Um, (laughs) guys. Thank you so much. We're going to do after hours now, and this is where I'm going to uh, you know suggest that if there's family secrets. Or uh, things about uh, your father, the host, that you want to reveal that they could definitely go there. And the way to do that, it's $5 a month to get you a bonus episode every week. A beautiful community there at our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Podcast. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Instagram. Should we do threads? This is a conversation that's happening right now. What do y'all, okay, let's save it for after hours. I need y'all's youthful input on what threads is, whether or not it would be a valuable tool. Um, but then also beerandamoviepodcast.com is where you can go and see some curated lists of different directors that we like and all, you know, every, all the episodes we've ever done. Link to merch, buy a coffee cup, Beer and a Movie's handsome logo or a t-shirt and other things as well. And I guess that's all I'm going to say about that. Until next time, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. 